Hi, I'm Jay Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to another NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Hope you've had a great week. And joining me it is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. And also joining us, we have Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. On cloud nine. We'll get onto that later on, I'm guessing. <laughs> cloud five, not quite nine yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's been a really interesting week, an interesting seven days in the National League. We'll go back to Tuesday evening, last Tuesday evening, when uh, Stockport beat Eastley by three goals to nil. And Chesterfield rather surprisingly lost 3-2 at Maidenhead, they were 2-0 down. They got it back to 2-2 before Alan Devonshire's men got a vital three points, which meant it was all up for grabs on Saturday. Halifax sat top, top of the table as we went into Saturday's game. If Halifax slipped up and Chesterfield basically didn't lose against Aldershot, then they would go top of back top of the division, uh, which James Rowe would obviously be really, really happy about. They took on... All the shot, which meant, Rob, you got to see Chesterfield uh, firsthand on Saturday. I did indeed. Uh, terrific uh, crowd and atmosphere at the Technique Stadium. I love that ground. It's one of my favourite places to visit. I think on paper, it looked an almighty difficult one for all the shot. And uh, if, if, if the prospect of lining up against Kabongo, Shimanga and Aquasia Santa wasn't enough, Chesterfield went and signed Joe Quigley. He's probably had his best season really this season, hasn't he, for for, for Yeovil? Um, and he proved to be, um, you know, one of the key players in the match, which we'll talk about in a little while. But um, I'm glad I got there early because it gave me the opportunity to catch up uh, with a couple of key people in the National League. Nobody more so than Chesterfield striker Kabongo Shimanga, the top scorer in the National League. Um, he's hit the 20 goal mark already, um, having done similar the last couple of seasons as well with Boreham Wood. He's hotly tipped to uh, you know, to move to an EFL club in the transfer window. Chesterfield say there have been no bids as yet. I managed to grab a couple of minutes with Kabongo prior to the kickoff. Managed to grab a very quick word prior to the Chesterfield all shot match with Kabongo Shimanga. Kabongo, contrary to what the other boys on the podcast think, I don't know you. We've never even spoken before. <laughs> but obviously, I do remember when you were briefly out all the shot back in the day. I think you were 18 then. Yeah. And it's been some journey since. Yeah, it has. It has. I mean, um, then I was so young. Obviously, like you said, I was 18. I was inexperienced. I didn't have a lot to show um, at that age. But obviously, now I've come down to the level. And I've enjoyed my last four years at the level. You know, I've progressed a lot as a player. And um, I'm looking to kick on. I know, it's got 19 goals each of the last two seasons at Boreham Wood, but I understand that both yourself and James kind of mentoring you, very much a focus on saying, well, that's good, but I want better. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, he's always driving me and pushing me to um, push on and obviously look to get the best out of me. Um, Obviously, this season I've started so well, I've scored a lot of goals, but I always think that I can get a slightly bit more, you know. i just got to keep my head down and just keep knocking them in and, you know, hopefully be looking at the end of the season and be proud of what I've achieved and uh, I'm not going to try and push you on the question everybody wants to ask yeah. you there is no <laughs> point I know what you'll say but how challenging is it to just keep all the noise away and just keep focused on your game um, I mean 
I've had that um, for sort of like the last sort of three years, I think. Um, I had it at Oxford when I was doing there. I think I had over 20 goals there, you know, um, before even January, I think. Um, and then Boreham Wood had two good spells. Um, I think I'm sort of used to it now, obviously having experienced it um, the previous time with um, previous clubs. So I think I'd, I just know as a player that I've just got to get my head down and, you know, whatever will happen will happen. I've just got to focus on my football and, you know, let that do the talking for me. Great stuff. Well, you've been a joy to watch uh, and uh, I'm sure you'll look back fondly on your time in the National League once you're finally in the AFL, if you yeah, are, whether yeah. that's with Chesterfield or otherwise. And we wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was Kabongo Shimanga. And um, before we get on to how he did in the game, Rob, I know there was a BT Sport pundit who we all kind of admire that we all wanted to catch up with and you managed to catch up with him. Yeah, I think for me personally, because uh, he played, uh, he'd been a bit of an order shot hero of mine back in the day as well. It was a real opportunity that I had to grasp to grab a few words with Aaron McLean, um, who's been doing a grand job uh, presenting uh, and being a pundit for BT Sport uh, over the last uh, season or so. Um, yeah, and I managed to catch up with him prior to the game. Well, about all things AMAC, really. I'm joined at the Technique Stadium prior to the game, which we hope will go ahead between Chesterfield and Aldershot. A few issues with a uh, bit of a frosty pitch. As I catch up with, um, well, an ex-Aldershot icon of mine, really, uh, Aaron McLean. We've got a song going on in the background, which was probably in the charts about the time you were playing for Aldershot, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I think it was. It's, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going back a few years, but I loved it. I loved it at Aldershot. It was my first real taste of... Of first team football and playing regularly, playing week in, week out, and and the fans were, were amazing. You know, from the second I walked through the door to to now, you know, the fans have always been amazing, and it's always a it's it's a pleasure for me to to be able to come come here and, and actually cover cover one of their games. The enthusiasm you've got for the game still really shows out when you're on the TV with 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 BT Sport. Obviously, between then and now, it's been quite a journey for you. Um, you got as high. I'm trying to think if you ever did play in the Premier League Championship highest. Uh, Premier League was the highest. You did play. Yeah, uh, I played for Hull City mm. in the Premier League. Um, and yeah, it's the journey's been. It was one that was amazing. You know, it was to go from from playing in the what was a Ryman Ryman or Ishmael yeah. League then to to climbing the leagues with with Peterborough and, and Hull and, and playing in the Premier League was was something that I I always aspired to but didn't really believe that I would I would ever achieve that. So yeah, playing wise it was it was amazing and, and Aldershot definitely helped give me that that kickstart really into into first team and men's football. Um, but now the transition from mm. from playing then into into coaching and now into the media is it's not been seamless it's it's had its ups and downs but mm. it's it's a transition that i'm i'm really enjoying i'm i'm really grateful for the opportunities that that i've been given and yeah i'm just trying to make sure that that i do the best job that i can uh, for, for me personally although aaron and i don't know each other particularly well we've probably said hello five times over the years you talk about big squad these days but there's always been competition for places and you really have to be on your game as a striker because i remember an equation back in the day how do you get Roscoe de San, Tim Sills and Aaron McLean on the pitch? And uh, 
you had to be on your metal, didn't you? You had to keep your standards up to keep your place, always. Yeah, you did, you did. And we had Charlesy as well. Um, yeah. We had, we had some really good, really good players. Um, dropping down to, to Aldershot, it was, it was a real eye-opener because it, was, it wasn't a, a foregone conclusion that I was going to come and, and just drop down and, and play every week. You know, the, the standard was really high and I really had to kind of learn my trade. But it helped me to grow up. It helped me to mature as, as a player. And, you know, you look at the squads now, the squads are, are even bigger now. You know, there's even more more quality and, and, and talent within, within these squads. So, as a striker, the main thing you can do is, is score goals. You know, if you're scoring goals, then you find yourself hard to, to drop and even times in my career when I wasn't necessarily scoring make sure you bring something you know bring something to the team make sure you're effective in some capacity and and more often than not you'll, you'll play a lot of games and, and I was lucky enough to do that and you had your knockbacks too like dropping down from Orient to Aldershot and then actually despite a couple of two or three decent years at Aldershot um, kind of went a bit downhill slightly didn't it and you 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 drop down to Grays and that's where it all kicked on again for you. Yeah, you know it was it was very much like that. You know, uh, leaving Aldershot was was very tough. You know, I, I'd I'd kind of found a home there and and was really enjoying enjoying being there, living in you know living up up that way. And it's the first time I'd moved away from home, so everything was I was really enjoying it. But you know, like like happens in life. You know, not everything lasts forever and. I had to kind of make that transition and, and go to Grays and and again uh, I was around good people Mark Stimson as the manager again helped me to kick on and and find that belief in myself again and and mature as a player and again to to Grays you know I think non playing non league was was huge for me you know the four years that I spent playing playing non league football really helped to mould me and and mature me and prepared me for, for my, a life in, in league football. And, you know, that's why coming back and, and covering the National League is it's a, a level that's, that's close to my heart and, and I really enjoy. Yeah, it's great to see uh, to see you back involved. And uh, we're speaking pre-match Chesterfield against Aldershot. And, you know, on paper it looks like a home win. But one of the beauties of football is that that's not always guaranteed. Nothing more kind of demonstrates that than Chesterfield losing 3-2 to Maidenhead in the week exactly and you know I, by no means is this a foregone conclusion that Chesterfield will just run out winners today you know Aldershot have only lost one out of their last nine games in, in the league and, and Mark Mosley's really got them he's got them going hopefully you're going to come join us uh, one Sunday soon to review the games in the National League on the podcast most definitely yeah it would be a pleasure and that was Aaron McLean. And I know Matt Smith takes the piss out of his dress sense, but he is the most smartly dressed BT Sport pundit on the National League coverage, I'd, I'd like to say. Although, I don't know, some of the other guys might disagree with that. But anyway, on to the game. You interviewed Kabongo Shimanga Rob, and all the shot managed to keep him quiet, didn't he? Yeah, it's not the first time they have, but there's also been occasions where he's really hurt them just in two or three minute spells. And uh, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting one to kind of look back on yesterday because uh, uh, from Chesterfield's point of view, they had a number of attacking options. They didn't start the best, but uh, they certainly dominated and they asked an awful lot of questions of Aldershot. But uh, it's a more resilient Aldershot town now. Just one defeat in 10 matches, four wins, five draws and one defeat. That was a 1-0 defeat at Dagenham. 
um, for Aldershot Town. Very, very hard to beat right now. Um, struggling a little bit going forward. They created a few chances, but uh, weren't able to take any of those. Um, and, and, and it's an interesting one. How did you look at it? Was it from an Aldershot perspective or a Chesterfield one? Uh, and that kind of theme sort of continued uh, with the post-match chat I managed to grab with the Chesterfield manager, James Rowe. James, funny enough, nil-nil at home to Aldershot. Same result as last year, but very different game. Um, what was your take on it? Uh, different game, just trying to cast my mind back. Um, obviously, I think it was a slightly fortuitous point for Aldershot on that day. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, playing Aldershot four times my old club in 14 months is uh, some going. Not to concede a goal in the four games is some going as well, so credit to the group for that. Um, it... They defended the 18-yard box really well. The first 15 minutes, I thought that you were the better team. And then after that, it was one-way traffic, really. We stopped the counter-attacks well. Can't remember Scott having a save to make in the game. So um, I would say it's fortuitous that it's a nil-nil today. And uh, in terms of your own side, uh, you brought Joe Quigley in. Uh, and he was a menace, wasn't he? He, he? he probably had four chances today. And I guess there's obviously an area for improvement, maybe taking one of those chances. But he, he certainly gave you a different dimension, uh, you know, with the obvious threats you've got of Asante and uh, Shimanga. Yeah, we've, we've got to be careful on the surface. If they surf on a low block like that and have nine behind the ball, they're waiting for traps in the mid-third. So if we'd have played short like we have done or normally open up the pitch, it's difficult on the surface. So we, we were aware of that. So we've got an outlet now. We can go over the block a little bit. He thought he got hold of it, flicked it on well. Um, yeah, and it, it was real positives from his performance. I'm really delighted to have him on, on board. Perhaps the biggest cheer in the absence of a goal, James, was when Tom Denton stepped back onto the pitch uh, for the final 10, 12 minutes or so. And uh, that would have been a pleasing moment for him and for yourself as well. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, surprised a few because he wasn't meant to be in the squad. So it was a really nice moment. It was good to get Loza, Lawrence Maguire, first 90 in, in three months as well. Um, and obviously Luke Kroll coming into the central position for us is pleasing. So a lot of positives and we've obviously gone top top of the league so after 23 games we'll take it after 44 so yes we want to go positively top in terms of three points at home didn't quite get that so it takes a shine off it but still look we've got a game in hand and we're top of the league so um, I've got to be pleased from where we are and just bearing in mind this chat is just for the NL full-time podcast which covers the whole league and all the teams in it um, probably no more as a side demonstrated how anybody can beat anybody in this league on the day given that Maidenhead just back to back taken all points off the top two sides that doesn't surprise me. I think Alan Devish does a fantastic job down there. And um, it wasn't just us that beating there. They're beating Wrexham, Grimsby, uh, Bromley, us and Halifax. So it's not a fluke. Um, they know the pitch really well. They can ask questions of you. But also they've had injury. They've been ravaged with injury and they've got some key players back. So I have no doubts they'll start climbing the table. Yeah, that was James Rowan. Although it was nil-nil, as he said, it might not have been the most exciting way for him to go top, but he'd have taken that after last season. And, and as he mentioned there... Halifax, they lost at Maidenhead. Now, Pete Wilde, by all accounts, was saying that some of his team had been ill during the week. They were ill on the way down. He didn't say if it was COVID or not. But anyway, they, they certainly had out a bit of a, a more depleted side than he would have liked. And, and Alan Devonshire's side have taken six points off Chesterfield and Halifax now. And for Halifax, they'll be hoping this is just a blip for, for Maidenhead. What fantastic week for them. Well... I hate people when they say, I told you so. But I think this is almost exactly what I predicted about <laughs> a month ago. Do not write Maidenhoff because they'll go and get back-to-back wins against two of the promotion-chasing sides. Well, they did even better than that, didn't they? They've literally knocked the top two 
teams off their perch in the last week. Um, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, Maidenhead have picked up seven points out of nine and made all those people predicting them to go down look silly yet again. James Robase said the same thing, didn't he, as well? He said, don't write them off. And I think Danny Searle said it in the BT Sport highlights as well. Never write off Alan Devonshire and Maidenhead. No, it's really weird. I mean, he obviously has a lot of experience and a lot of nows. Uh, and just now and again, in the odd little word you catch with Alan Devonshire, you really do feel that he knows what he's doing. And then they go on these prolonged runs where they can't, you know, compete. But they always seem to do enough in the end. And, uh, you know, you've got to give them massive, massive credit, Maidenhead. I mean, they're definitely the team of the week um, in the National League. Uh, that's for sure. Not the player of the week. We'll come on to him in a minute. <laughs> yeah. uh, somebody who I think has done something I don't think has ever been done before. I don't think even Ricky Miller managed it back in the day. I and mean, we could talk about it now, if you like. Andrew Dallas, Luke. Um, eight goals in two games, including all five for Solihull Moors against Dover yesterday. More than doubled his tally for the season. What a hot streak he is on. Yeah, hadn't scored in four months prior to last weekend's hat-trick against Southport and then he got all five against Dover. I'm sure we're sick of the sight of him. And, and you know, Rob, being a striker yourself, you told us about all those goals you scored in the past, but it's just amazing, isn't it, what one goal does for confidence? I mean, he looked a completely different player, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, at this level where teams are pretty well organised, to get five chances for one player in a match is rare. Um, to score all five is fantastic. Of course, I don't know if he had any more. We have a bit of a standing joke, listeners, between us about when Rob talks about his old footballing days. <laughs> and I, I did, I did, I did put the good old I, I days, eh, mess- Rob? I did, I, yeah, I did a long time ago. I did put a message in the group. Fancy scoring five goals in the same game, and then I put in brackets. I scored six in once. <laughs> no, it's a magnificent run. I've been really impressed with him when I've seen him, Dallas. He certainly. Uh, Played well last season when he was uh, on loan at Weymouth from Cambridge and he scored a couple of goals at the EVB. Um, and yeah, I guess the, my question would be what what happened to his goal scoring earlier in the season? But uh, he's jumped up the goal scoring charts with uh, with those uh, eight goals in the last week. Dickie, I suppose, though, it's, it's competition for places at Solihull. They've got so much firepower that they're not always going to get a game every week, are they? I think that's right. I think Neil Ardley seems like he's been a bit more settled on on his first eleven in the last few months or so. And Andrew Dallas has been um, uh, had to be content with substitute appearances. I'm sure he wasn't content with substitute appearances, and he's given Neil Ardley a real selection problem now with what he's done in the last week. Um, it's much needed for Solihull as well. Neil Ardley actually spoke in midweek about the need to stay in touch with you know those the likes of Stockport, those sort of juggernauts at the top of the division. Um, and and Solihull Moors do still have a chance of the playoffs. Absolutely, they're in ninth, but they're not that far behind. But it's really important that they take every opportunity to, to, to stay in touch with those at the top. And, and a 5-0 win yesterday, it gets you the three points. It, it's no more than a 1-0 win. Yeah, but goal difference, who knows? That could be all important at the end of the season. So, um it's not nice seeing Dover being put to the sword, is it? You know, 24 games played now, just four draws, 20 defeats. We are getting into the territory of the season where 
we're going to be starting to look and 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 the trap door is actually opening and beckoning them now and they could be dropping through it in six weeks time something like that if they don't do something soon so it's not nice from that perspective but you know credit to Solihull for beating what was in front of them Tom made a really good point in our Tom Lang in our WhatsApp group um, that, uh, that that maybe Dover might want to look pretty soon at uh, cutting their costs and uh, you know uh, saving a bit of money for an assault next season. Uh, I don't know what the uh, take on that is at the Crabble, but um, I, I would certainly imagine it's something that they're they're considering. Uh, and it's awful, really. It's not something you'd want to contemplate if you're involved with a football club or if you're a fan of that club. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's dark, dark times for Dover. Yeah, well, it's tight at the top. Uh, there's only six points between first place and the last playoff place. And then there's only 10 points between Notts County in the last playoff place and Eastley down in 14th. So we're getting to the stage now, guys. I mean, it's a business end of the season every, uh, anyway. Um but and every point does count, but it seems to it's going to almost count even more this season, isn't it? With the, with the tight nature of the table. Yeah, absolutely. I think what really happened over this weekend is a closing of of, of the gap at the top with um, Chesterfield only drawing, Halifax losing, and Boreham Wood held to a one-all draw by Weymouth as well. Um, Bit of a fight over one of the goals there, wasn't it, as to who'd scored the own goal? I think eventually it was credited to new signing Jamie Record, uh, but uh, uh, early indications were that the goalkeeper Tay Ashby Hammond had had, had had the final touch. If you Luke Garrard, you probably don't care. You just wonder if that's a missed opportunity um, with a one-all at home to Weymouth. Credit to Weymouth, they're fighting for their lives, but. Uh, Garrard will have been frustrated, won't he, not to have taken uh, full advantage of Halifax and Chesterfield slipping up. Yeah, Bourne would have drawn three of the last five. And you just feel like, say, if you look Garrard looking at the table this morning, that uh, you turn a couple of those draws into wins, all of a sudden they're in second place, you know, Charlton and they're really in the, the, the sort of title mix. I mean, they're not out of it already, but all of a sudden they're four points behind the likes of Chesterfield and Stockport. And four points could prove costly at this stage of the season, couldn't it? Yeah, if you Luke Garrard, your big worry is you're going on one of those runs where you draw 11 games on the trot. Do you remember that a couple yeah, of seasons yeah. ago? Uh, to be fair, I don't think that will happen. But uh, no, it's really, really closed because whilst those top three that we've talked about have uh, just stuttered a little bit, there's a couple of big juggernauts coming up on the outside lane in, uh, in uh, Stockport County and Wrexham. Just to, before you get onto that, Rob... Um... Just a quick word, mention on Ray- Weymouth as well. Really good point for them. They stopped the rot with that draw at Bournemouth. And they brought in David Oldfield, who's left high-flying Oxford City in the National League South. So a blow for Oxford City. But a good appointment, that, for Weymouth. And, and hopefully should see them clear with that. Yeah, I don't know too much about him as a manager. I certainly remember him as a player. And he got Oxford City in a nice, tidy position, weren't they? Were third when he left. I think they'd been top of the league recently as well. And hopefully I'll catch up with David Oldfield um, next weekend when uh, I'm making my first trip in about, I don't know, 15 years or something to the Bob Lucas, provided the trains are all running on time uh, next weekend. Um, So, yeah, I'll try and catch up with uh, what's going on down at Weymouth. That's a a decent point for them. As you say, it's stop the rot. And uh, Weymouth, you know, they have... 
they have a big fight on their hands, don't they? I think each time I look at the league table to see what the gap is from Aldershot down to the drop zone, uh, it's been Weymouth that uh, have been occupying that uh, final relegation place. And uh, there is a little bit of a gap uh, if you look at the table. Um, at the moment, obviously, Dover are on uh, minus eight points still. Kingsley 11. Weymouth moved off of 15 points up to 16 yesterday. But then it's an eight-point gap to Wildstone and, and, and Weymouth will be really, really keen to make sure that gap doesn't get any bigger. Yeah, as you mentioned at the top uh, before, Rob, the juggernauts are on the way, Stockport and Wrexham. Stockport had slipped down to fifth briefly after the 3pm kickoffs because they, they were in the late kickoff at Dagenham and Redbridge on BT Sport. Got off to a dream start, 2-0 up within the first five minutes. Ash Palmer and Will Collar scoring the goals there and it was almost it was game over from that point. Comfortable win for Stockport. Just behind them, Bromley, they came from behind to beat Grinsby by two goals to one and, and in Sort of um, good news as well for Bromley fans because Andy Woodman almost announced, he didn't quite confirm it in his interview after that. He was staying, he kind of said, the longer it drags on, the longer you think, is it right for me? Which kind of indicates he will be staying at the club. And Wrexham, they came from behind as well to be Yeovil. So a big, big day in those little sort of title spots, really, as we mentioned, and the playoff spots. Yeah, definitely. I, I looked at that one yesterday, Grimsby and Bromley, and I thought, do you know what? Bromley have not quite been firing on all cylinders lately. And Grimsby got such a morale-boosting win last weekend where they held their own goal-of-the-season competition between John McAtee and Jordan Maguire-Drew. And then Maguire-Drew gives them a start. And and you think it it could ignite again for Grimsby from here. They could perhaps start to pick up the the form they had earlier in the season, particularly with McAtee back in that attack. But no... Credit to Bromley for their resilience. They got themselves level through George Alexander, who's starting to add a few goals to his impressive play in recent weeks. And then uh, Jude Arthurs uh, became the 14th different goal scorer for Bromley this season um, with the vital one, uh, seven minutes from time. A magnificent win for Bromley. Um, another big tip, really, in uh, Andy Woodman's uh, CV, going to Grimsby and getting the job done, coming from behind. And they're right back in it. Yeah, and Wrexham Dickey, a really vital win for them, uh, wasn't it, coming from behind at Wrexham. Paul Mullin amongst the scorers once again. Yeah, indeed, it was a, a really important three points for for Wrexham. They they, they trailed. They they were they were a goal behind to to Oval after just fourteen minutes. But yeah, Mullin got them back on track in the second half, and then it was an own goal that ultimately proved to be the, the, the winner for them, but they won't care how they get it at the moment. It's about staying in touch. It's about collecting um, the points, and they did so. Mullin up to 10 goals for the season now in the National League. Um, that's a milestone that he would have expected and people would have expected him to hit uh, probably by now. Um He's got some way to go if he's going to reach the number of goals he got in, in the division lower last season. But uh, certainly, I don't think you can... Uh, he's had a few injury issues, hasn't he? And whenever I've seen him play, he's been mightily impressive. He looks like that player that can make the difference, that can just suddenly conjure something up out of nothing. Uh, and yeah, Wrexham going through the gears and uh, you know really pushing up that table. And I think what this all leads to say is that we've got the most open title race unquestionably now 
for many, many years. I can't remember the last time that you could honestly say without a shadow of a doubt, the whole top seven are in the title race. Um, Dagenham and Redbridge, eight points behind, could argue mathematically they're not out of it. Um, and Solly Armour's the same too, but certainly uh, the top seven. Uh, and when you look at that top seven, Notts County, Wrexham, Borehamwood, Bromley and Stockport, you know, between them, uh, all no more than six points off the top. Dickie, I know when I posed this question last week, you said, well, last year's, but I don't think we had seven in a title race, did we, last year? No, probably not. No, it wasn't It wasn't as, as open it is, as it is this season. Um, although it was... Great, you know, we we talk up the, the the virtues and the excitement of of this league all the time because it's 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 a league we you know spend a lot of time looking at and that we um, find a great deal to enjoy in. But yeah, a, a seven team, um, you know, seven teams all all in with a shot still of of actually winning it, it is tremendous at this stage of the season. Um, be interested to see if Wrexham do make any moves. Um, with a week of the transfer window left as well. I, I see a couple of tweets um, linking them with Tom Elliott at Salford City um, to give them a bit more of a, a boost in that in that forward line area. So, again, it'd be interesting to see if they um, go down that route. Where, you know, we, we, we speak about, you know, statements of intent. I think, you know, Stockport County have, have done all of their business by the looks of things. They seem pretty content with what they've got. Um, and it'll just be interesting to see if Wrexham do take that step to try and match them. That would be uh, interesting because considering Salford kind of, when they got out of the National League, they kind of went and cherry-picked good players from League Two and the irony now that Wrexham could go and poach a player from Salford. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, that's the nature of football, isn't it? You know, they, 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 at one point they were on the way up and they were the, uh, the, the shark that were uh, uh, going and, and, and taking... Uh, the, the the players from other teams that they wanted to hang on to, and now the boots on the other foot somewhat. But um, yeah, that's just the the, the 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 cycle of things, isn't it? Yeah, well, let's look down at the bottom briefly. As I mentioned, Dover had a horrible day once again away at Solihull Moors. A, a big win for Woking. That was their first game since the defeat against Aldershot. They beat Wheelstone by two goals to nil. Wheelstone, although they're about eight or nine points clear of the relegation zone, uh, they're still going to be looking over the shoulder very slightly. And then you've also got, as we mentioned, Weymouth before you got that draw against Bournemouth. Altingham, they're sliding down the table as well. One win in 15, Dickie. And there's been a lot of upheaval, as you mentioned, a lot of changes around there. And I know reading the Altingham forum, there's a couple of fans who are slightly worried about them. Um. I can understand that, you know, when you're on a run like that, when you're not picking up results um, the way they were earlier in the season, it's going to be a worry, isn't it? Um, They they were behind early on yesterday, um, got back into it, but then ultimately um, slid to a defeat. And yeah, it it, it is a worry when you... uh, Confidence is such a big thing in football. And when, you know, you go week after week after week and you're not picking up um, the, the kind of results you're looking for, then you are worried. Then I, I think, I don't know. I, I don't know whether you can be critical of Phil Parkinson for shuffling things. You know, you might argue that by making the changes, um, you know, he's he's not kept a settled team that might have um, got them out of trouble. But if he doesn't see enough in the in the players that he's got, 
to get them out of trouble, you know, what else does a manager do? So you're a bit damned if you do, damned if you don't, aren't you? I think Phil Parkinson's got a, a huge amount of credit in the bank with with altering him, to be perfectly honest. So I don't see that 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 his job is under any threat. But it, 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 yeah, it's it's worrying times for them. The time to judge Phil Parkinson will be at the end of the season. Um, you know, if all this shuffling now, players going out, players coming in. Uh, you know, if if they pick up again, then he could turn around and say, well, look, it's short-term pain for long-term gain. Another reason why Altrincham need to be worried, they are the only team in the National League that have played 25 games already for their 26 points. And if you look down, every single team below them, um, bar Aldershot, have got at least two, if not three, games in hand over them. And that includes Weymouth in the last uh, relegation spot at the moment. Were they to win all their three games in hand, they would actually tie level with Altrincham. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. But uh, yeah, Altrincham need a win from somewhere pretty soon just to uh, stop the downward momentum. Credit to Gary Johnson's men for finding a way. And you know what? For all his troubles, Gary Johnson... You know, he talked a lot, didn't he, about at the turn of the year, just being within the pack or the chasing pack. Well, they're 11th Torquay and they are seven points off the playoffs. They're going to have to go some to close that gap. But uh, if I picked any manager or any team um, to do that, then it would probably be Torquay, even though the opposition is going to be quite uh, stiff this season. Talking of form, we mentioned Maidenhead getting vital back-to-back wins. Or Southend, they beat... Kingsland in the last minute to win 2-1. A very conscientious penalty given in the end. Sand Albert converting that. It's our manager, Tommy Widrington, sent to the stands. But that's three wins on the spin now for Southend. And you're looking across various forums and, and social media. And all of a sudden, there's a slight feel-good factor back. The owner's kind of in the background. They've got this new structuring uh, at the football club as well. They had the highest crowd of the season as well. And yeah, they're, um, they're climbing up that table now, aren't they? It's been a slow but sure turnaround at Roots Hall and they are on a decent run now. As you said, three wins on the bounce, just the one loss in seven now. Uh, A Sam Dolby late penalty for them. Bit of a controversial, I think you might have said conscientious, but a controversial penalty. (laughs) I I don't know where where that came from. (laughs) I thought we either mentioned that or we scrubbed the whole thing and start again. But no, that'll do. Bit of a conscientious decision from the referee to give a penalty. Yeah, that's a little bit. It was a little bit controversial as well. And I know Stephen Cleave, the Kingsland chairman, has been really vociferous. I think. Look, Kingsland have been on the end of some key decisions against them in recent games and uh, they're desperate. They're fighting for their lives and uh, I somewhat understand that. But uh, I'll get a close-up look at Southend on uh, Tuesday when they come to the EBB and they'll do so now just one point and just one place behind Aldershot. Uh, the two sides that have really, really pulled themselves away from trouble. Mark Molesley, of course, against his most recent side that he managed. One interesting fact on South End that they might want to improve on as the season goes on. I noticed that in the National League, they've only got just six different players that have scored for them this season. Um, and uh, Reese Murphy and Sam Dolby have scored, uh, I think, 14 of the 21 goals they've scored between them. So uh, I would imagine that uh, Maha and uh, Bentley and Curry. We'll be looking to get more out of some of the other players, more goals out of them, but uh, a really, really solid turnaround from Southend. And I look forward to seeing them on Tuesday night.
Do you know what, Rob, as well? If they if they do beat Aldershot, all of a sudden they leap above Barnet into 15th and they drag a whole load of other teams into that conversation, don't they? Well, possibly so. They certainly put themselves top of the mini-league that yeah. is the survival league. Um, you know, and it's just about, you know, um, what Southend have done similar to Aldershot is I think they've suddenly made themselves a lot harder to beat. They're not conceding as many goals they're a much, much tougher nut to crack now. Um, but, you know, with the support base they've got, you know, with the uh, signings that they're now eventually able to make, I think they have a really, really good, solid chance of, of safety now. And that's partly because of what they're doing and partly because it's going to be very, very difficult for the likes of uh, Kings Lynn and, and Weymouth to, to clutch themselves up to safety now. Quickly on one of them signings, Dickie, it was a, quite a surprising one that bounced up this week. Harry Cardwell's moved there, hasn't he, from Charlie? Yeah, he has. He, 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 it happened late in the week. Um, I think Cardwell was was rumoured to be going somewhere else in the National League uh, earlier in the transfer window, and, and that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, he's made the move now. He, he's played at this level before he was on loan at Stockport County last season, maybe didn't get quite the opportunity there that, that he would have liked and, and returned to Chorley. Um, but yeah, he's got another shot at it now. Um, and Southend, it, 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 it's nice to see them moving in the right direction. Uh, we, we've, I think we've all had that slight fear that they were a club in free fall and that they could easily drop through the division, you know, just spending one season here and find themselves in National League South. And then, you know, you're looking and thinking, have we got another York City on our hands here? You know, are we going to spend endless number of seasons in a division which is is well below the status of the club, but 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 just you know can't get out of it? They're t- they're starting to turn things around, and and uh, you know for people down at Southend, you've got to be pleased for them. But you know, on the other side of that, there's always some teams that uh, are losers in that respect, aren't they? And it is looking tough for the three that are in the bottom three at the moment. You know, Dover. Need yeah, snookers, we, don't they? Basically, Dover. Um, absolutely, they do, and you know it's not looking great for for either Weymouth or Kingsley. Both teams have changed their managers uh, lately. Uh, it, do you think still it's a lot between do those? For... Do you think it's between those two for that other relegation spot? Then do you think we can rule Wheelstone out yet? I mean, I know Danny Sill said no. last night they'll still be looking over the yeah. shoulder, Rob. But do we? Do we? No. Is it between Weymouth and Kingsley? No, you can't. You can't. You, you can't rule Wheelstone out of it any more than you can't still at this point rule out Maidenhead, Southend or Aldershot or Altrincham. You know, it's too early for that. I think one of the things that uh, that you worked out and put something in our WhatsApp group was that there's still, for most teams, 60-odd points to play for. It's too early to do that. It's still time for the mid-table side to drop into the zone and that's probably looking like it could be Altrincham if they don't uh, arrest their slide. And, and sides like Aldershot and Southend that have picked up improved form, they're, they're not safe yet. And certainly uh, Maidenhead and Willstone aren't either. I think realistically and logically, you have to say that um, it's starting to look very, very difficult for Kings Lynn. They're 13 points off safety now. That's going to be really, really hard to close. I think for Weymouth, they've obviously got the most realistic chances of, of, of getting out of the bottom three. Of, of all three of them, but they still remain eight points off it. It's um, it's too soon to draw a line yet. 
Interestingly, um, Altrincham travel to Kingsland next Saturday. So if Kingsland can win that, they will go within 10 points of Wheelstone and just drag Altrincham, just leave Altrincham feeling a bit more nervous and sweaty about life. Yeah, just before we leave the, the National League, then we did mention a vital win for Alan Dowson's uh, Woking there against Wheelstone. And Wheelstone provided the only red card of the day, didn't they, Dickie? Yeah, there was the only red card of the division yesterday. Um, a bit of an ignominious uh, afternoon for Douglas James Taylor of Wheelston. Came on as a sub in the 80th minute. Three minutes later, he was off. Red card. So, um, it, not a great afternoon for him. Um, I can't imagine easy manager Stuart Maynard's good books. Yeah, got, got the taps and the bath on running early anyway. That's the main thing. <laughs> um, we're going to move on and look now at the National League South. How does it feel when you stop smoking? Brilliant. I've finally quit. It feels good. I was so proud of myself. I can keep up with my kids now. I feel a lot richer. I just feel fitter and healthier. I feel like I've got my life back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities. Search Smoke Free. Better health. Let's do this. Moving into the National League South, there's only one place to start, Rob. Dorking are absolutely flying at the top. Ebsley, uh, one of their challenges, but they were swept aside by Mark Whiteside on Saturday. What a result for them. What a day for Matthew Briggs. Yeah, I think uh, Dorking have come not only just way back into it, you know, it was impressive how they got themselves back to the top of the table, but they're pulling away now as well. And certainly they were helped, not for the first time this season, by a, a player... Uh, getting sent off in the opening uh, stages of the game. But uh, perhaps the biggest shock in that game was that Alfie Rutherford um, didn't manage to score until the 89th minute. He's been on absolute fire of late. But uh, Matt Briggs, full credit to him, deserves his moment uh, in uh, in the spotlight. Is is just his second ever um, hat-trick uh, on uh, on Saturday. Uh, terrific from him. Wes Fogden with the other goal. Adam Mecky replying for... Uh, Ebbsfleet, who uh, you wouldn't expect to be losing 5-1 to anybody. So that's, uh, you know, Dorkin really, really going through the gears now. They've pulled six points clear of another impressive side, uh, Maidstone, who uh, could only pick up a point yesterday on their travels to uh, uh, St Albans. Below them come Ebbsfleet. So that's just how impressive Dorkin's 5-1 victory over them was. And Oxford City. Uh, moved on uh, in 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 their um, time without uh, David Oldfield with a nice neat one nil win at uh, Welling that keeps them very much in the promotion uh, hunt. Uh, Joe Iacofono with the goal. So Albans remain in eighth, but they've got they've got four games in hand on Dark and they are only one point out of the last playoff place. So you imagine that they, they they'll jump back up once again. Uh, as you mentioned, Goodwin there for Oxford City and and Dartford as well. They uh, they looked as though they were getting back to winning ways, but they faced Hampton and Richmond Borough, Tom's Hampton and Richmond Borough, and in the end could only draw 2-2. But friend of the podcast, Jake Robinson, got a couple there. Yeah, I, I haven't noticed his name on the score sheet as much this season, but uh, for Hampton and Richmond, who've been in a wretched form of late, struggling to know where the next goals and next points are coming from, uh, they they got themselves back into it uh, twice yesterday. Sam Deadfield and Jack McKnight uh, with a penalty, but uh, that was all the scoring done in the first hour. Nobody from either side could find a winner, and that leaves Dartford in fifth place. Uh, 
11 points behind the leaders, Dorkin. Now, admittedly, with two games in hand, but if we had Steve King alongside us, I know what he'd rather have, and that's the points on board. Dulwich Hamlet pulled themselves right back into the equation uh, yesterday with an excellent 4-1 home win against uh, Concord. Mm-hmm. Ibra Sikadja with a couple of goals, both in 90-plus, just to put the gloss on the finish there for Dulwich Hamlet. Yeah, that's first win, first win in five for them, uh, for Dulwich as well. The, uh, they're on the end of the Alfie Rutherford hat-trick in midweek. But yeah, like you say, massive win for them. Yeah, and, and, and uh, you know, right back to winning ways for them. And Hungerford Town continue to be that team that surprises everybody. And there they sit tucked nicely in the uh, uh, seventh and final uh, place uh, for the uh, playoffs. And uh, they beat Chelmsford 2-1 yesterday. Ryan Seeger with both goals. Uh, before and after half-time uh, coming from behind against Chelmsford. Uh, and in the other games, Tunbridge Angels and Hemel Hempstead drew uh, one all, uh, as did Billericke and Haven't and Waterlooville, who Bill- uh, got a late Tommy Wright equaliser. Yeah, Billericke stay bottom. Uh, it depends how you look at it. From If you're a Billericke fan, it could be, well, we've... Uh, We've we've um we've only won one of the last five, but equally we're unbeaten in the last five because they've drawn four of the last five. Um, they'll be disappointed that they couldn't leapfrog Braintree. Braintree have got three games in hand on them, and they won at Hampton and Richmond Borough in midweek to leapfrog themselves off the bottom once again. Uh, Braintree seven points adrift of Welling, and again a bit like the National League, maybe the likes of Chelmsford, Tombridge, Welling, just looking over the shoulder a little bit because Braintree and uh, Billy Ricky are picking up a bit of form now, aren't they? Yeah, it's about every single point is precious when you're in that kind of battle. And, uh, you know, whether three whether three down, you might be starting to say, well, it's going to be difficult from Billericke and Baintree from here on in. But they've both got 15 points and only one team is going down. So I think that scrap's going to go right to the wire. And interesting to see, despite that sustained, improved form from Welling when uh, Peter Taylor took over, that they're not yet out of it, are they? And... Uh, well, as for Chelmsford, sat fifth from bottom, uh, you know, their wretched season continues. Um, just been informed uh, that uh, Jake Robinson is into double figures for the season. He's got 12 goals this season. So he's obviously just been quietly going about his business. Thank you, Tom. Just in time. Um, and uh, yeah, Hampton and Richmond, uh, well, they sit 14th. I think you could probably say that Hampton and Richmond, Slough and Concord all on 26 points shouldn't necessarily be involved in that uh, relegation equation. But Chelmsford and Tunbridge, not yet out of it, nor are Welling. Yeah, and just uh, the reason Braintree and Slough didn't play yesterday was there was some sad news about the passing of Christian Rowe, who died in a road traffic accident. He'd come through the academy, or he was coming through the academy at Slough Town. Uh, he was close to the first team as well. So uh, as a consequence, both the under-23s and the first team cancelled their fixtures this weekend and we, we all our thoughts go out to everyone at Slough Town and the family of Christian Rowe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, and under the circumstances, not playing a game of football is absolutely the right thing to do um, to give everybody there, you know, the, the time and space that they need to get their, their heads around it. An absolutely tragic happening. So we're going to look now at the National League North and it was a quite significant week during midweek in the National League North. Uh, two of the top three were playing in Kidderminster and Gateshead with differing fortunes. 
Yeah, they did. Uh, Gateshead had a chance to go to the uh, summit of the table. They were two points behind Brackley going into their game with Telford on Tuesday evening at the International Stadium. That's one I made the journey for all the way up to the, the northeast. Um, uh, we travelled in hope more than expectation. Um, and yeah, they went exactly the way you'd imagine it did. Gateshead came out of that game, 4-1 winners, went to the top of the table um, on, on a bitterly cold night. But um, yeah, all credit to them. I think everybody who sees Gateshead this season can see what a good side they are. Um, and yeah, they've now put themselves in position at the top of the table. They're the ones to be shot at now. Um, for Kidderminster, not quite so good. They, they had games in hand. They do still have games in hand, obviously, with their FA Cup run on Tuesday. They, they were away to Hereford. But yeah, that one didn't go as planned. They lost 2-0 away to, to Josh Gowling's men, which would be, um, I don't know, it might be a bit of an eye-opener there for, for Russ Penn in terms of looking at some of his squad. I don't think he played an absolutely first-choice 11 there. Um, so whether that gives you just a little bit of a hint as as to the, the actual depth that Kidderminster Harrys have got, I'm not sure. But they've still got plenty of games in hand. They're, they're, they're in the playoff positions, and I expect to see them retain that playoff position at the end of the season. I was at Southport against Bradford Park having you on Tuesday evening. They left it very, very late. Connor Woods scoring in the third minute of stoppage time. And after the game, I caught up with Southport manager Liam Watson. Liam, a hard-fought victory. left it late in the end. Yeah, obviously we left it late because, you know, but we've had enough chances in the first half that we, we should have got the breakthrough. Uh, we didn't, so you're always giving yourself an uphill battle. Uh, but we kept on going, we kept on asking questions, kept on trying to get the ball in the box as much as we can, and then we got a break. Yeah, was that, was that the frustrating thing for you, that maybe in the final third just didn't quite happen for you at times? Well, I think it's it in the, in the fact that we created the chances, we just didn't put them away. Uh, and, you know, people will point to, oh, Marcus has moved on, and so that's a big loss, but they weren't really Marcus types of goals. They were, yeah. they were the midfielders coming into the boat. Into, so, uh, but you can see it's a young team, and it, they, they've got the naivety that they just keep going. Uh, which is nice to look at. I said that even I think when he held six minutes up, I think you look at dugouts. I honestly believe we'd get some, mm. and probably Mark probably thought six minutes. Where's yeah. that come from? Yeah. And that, all of a sudden it puts you psychologically puts you in a little bit of a negative, don't you? And, and you, I've been there myself, and you're half thinking this is gonna this is gonna end up in the net, and, and it did. Yeah, well, the red card changed everything. It got the crowd up as well, didn't it? Just gave you that extra little spring. Listen, the, the, it, it's. Was it a red card? Uh, yeah. I, I, from where I couldn't say, and if he's given the red card for the, the tackle, mm. well, you'd have an eye. But if he's given it because he was clean through, I thought there was people around him. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure. But you know, I think you're right. It, it did give us a lift, uh, and it went on. But I have to say, like you know, Bradford, respect to them, they turned up tonight. They've put, they've been very, very organised, which you'd expect for a team by managed by Mark and. You know, they were tough to break down. Uh, you know, I, I drove to Bradford on last Monday to watch them, and you know, they played a completely different shape. So all my team talk went out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Great run you're on as well at the minute. I mean, you're in sixth place. Kidderminster have lost. You've moved closer to them. Uh, Mark's actually said that he feels you're dark horses for the playoffs. <laughs> well, we're not even halfway through our league campaign yet, but it's nice of him to say that. But. You know, we're full of energy, full of legs. We've got to be the youngest team in the league, which 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 is always going to be nice. Uh, you just you've always got that little bit of 
the, the two games we've come across against Alton and we should have beat Alton in the cup and we never and then on our Saturday we, we were miles off Solly Solly were good so when the lads are trying to aspire to play higher it was a good eye opener for them but you know I always was wondering how they were going to react obviously losing Marcus because he's a big character in the dressing room that's one then getting beat but I think I think it answered everything I think character wise we, we had everything today we just kept on going obviously Marcus Carver's gone but you're so good at finding you'll use that money now to find somebody to bring him in again another young player who's ambitious don't think I'll use the money because I'll never get it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well listen we'll give people opportunities I uh, you know, I think if someone comes here, especially you at the crowd and at it and where at it, I says it's a nice play. You know, Tyler, to be honest, that's his, his debut coming in from Farsley. I'm sure it'll be a bit of an eye opener, the, the size of the club once he gets to understand it. And, you know, no disrespect to Farsley, you know, as much as it's good to have the backing, you know, they'll also let you know when you're not performing. Yeah. But I, th- I thought he had a really good debut. And that was Liam Watson and Connor Woods, as I said, got the winner in that game. And he also got the winner on Saturday away at Gloucester. Yeah, he did. I mean, they're having to adjust to life um, without striker Marcus Carver, who's joined Hartlepool United in the transfer window. But, you know, they're, they're showing every sign of, of, of being able to do that. They extended their unbeaten run in the league to 13 matches with that win um, at Gloucester yesterday, Woods volleying in a first-half winner. Uh, they get some all the points. As for Gloucester, they can't quite pull away from the relegation zone. They weren't out by having Kevin Dawson sent off in the 82nd minute yesterday, which means he's going to serve a suspension as well, which, you know, it, he's a big figure for them. He, he's an important, experienced player in the spine of that Gloucester City team. Um, and it, it won't thrill, thrill manager Lee Mansell to have to be without him, but be, with after him, um, be without him is something he's going to have to do. Gates said, we're looking to stay top and uh, they duly did that. They faced a, a tough Leamington side. And I know I kind of was glancing at this on Twitter and they took the lead gates, but then Leamington pegged them back, junior English scoring. And then I think Leamington missed a penalty as well. And they're really under the cosh for a period, weren't they, Gates said? Yeah, I got the impression from, from again, what I've read that, that Leamington went there and, and gave it a really good go um, and, and uh, you know, got the admiration of uh, a lot of the Gateshead followers. Of course, it's easy to, to show admiration uh, to the away side when you have actually uh, eventually come out with the three points, which is what they did. Um, Paul Blackett put them into the lead before half-time. Um, you're right in saying that junior English levelled in the 49th minute and eventually it took two goals from Macaulay Langstaff, the first from the penalty spot, to, to secure them the three points. I, I had a look, a quick look in the goal-scoring charts. Langstaff is second in the goal-scoring charts now. I think he has uh, just one fewer than Glenn Taylor from Spennymore. But the, the between them... Paul Blackett has 11, uh, Sedwin Scott has 13 and Langstaff has 14. So that's 38 league goals between the, 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 the striking trio at Gateshead. When you think you've, you've got Adam Campbell there as well, they've got some depth um, at Gateshead, although they did only manage to name three substitutes in the midweek. So they've got a few injury problems at the moment as well, but they've definitely gone for quality over quantity. And we'll just have to see if that proves to be the, the, the right combination for them. Yeah, just behind Gateshead are Brackley and Kidderminster. And uh, Brackley, slightly, well, would you say it's a disappointing result? They're at home to Charlie, who, of course, are in farm and are up there as well. It finished nil-nil there. 
I think it probably is. I build this one. I wrote a preview of the weekend's fixtures and actually build this as the game of the day in the division. And it was the only game with no goals in it. But perhaps we shouldn't have been entirely surprised by that. Brackley are the masters of the 1-0 win. I think Chorley are not far behind them in that respect. So um, I think for Chorley to go up there and pull the shutters down uh, and come away with a point is probably a more pleasing result for them than it is for Kevin Wilkin. But, you know, this is a situation that Brackley find themselves in now. They're close to the top of the division. Everybody knows, surely by now knows what Brackley Town are about. Um, and you look at that result yesterday and say credit to Jamie Vermiglio and his side for going there and, and coming away with a, a, you know, a really valuable point. I'd, uh, I'd argue with you on the game of the day, uh, Dickie, because down at Agbrit was Kidderminster against York. Inform York against Inform Kidderminster, despite that defeat on last Tuesday evening. Um, but it was a comfortable win in the end for Russ Penn's side, a good bounce back for them. Yeah, I, yeah, yes, you make a good point there in that, you know, if you look at the the size of the two clubs of the division and the runs of form that they were on, they, they, this was one to, to have your eye on. As we said that Harry has lost 2-0 in midweek, but rebounded from that one. Amari Morgan-Smith got them um, on the road to victory. Amari Sterling, he loves a free kick from long distance and he, he put another one in yesterday to make it 2-0 before half-time. Uh, and Kidderminster Harry's fans, they love their what they call their Sammy Austin Saturdays. And Sam Austin added the third in the 75th minute to um, secure all the three points in the end. It is a bit of a backward step for York. They five points behind their last playoff place and they do have games in hand, but it's a measure of how tight the division are. The division is that you're only five points behind the last playoff place, but you're in 14th. You know, looking at the table, 14th doesn't look good enough for York City, but they're not completely out of it. Uh, they've been going in the right direction under John Askey. They seem to be able to uh, grind it out you know, uh, the, the sort of wins which they weren't maybe looking capable of getting earlier in the season, but setback for them yesterday, no question. In third place have filed back-to-back victories now. They won 2-1 at home to Geisley. We're in, they're really struggling at the minute, Geisley, aren't they? Yeah, Geisley, uh, they are struggling a bit and they've not been helped by the fact that they've lost uh, Jordan Thewlis to, to Spennymore Town, something we'll, we'll touch on in a couple of minutes. But yeah, Filed, kept in touch. Ben Tollett and Danny Whitehead's first goal for the club proved enough for them. All the scoring in the first half. The the rather extravagantly named Thierry Latty Fairweather, good old Yorkshire name for you there. He's good for <laughs> he's good for Geisley to to reduce the deficit to two one. But they did have Andy Hollins sent off in the second half, which didn't help their cause. And ultimately, it wasn't enough. Yeah, Filed hung on for the three points there. Yeah, Curzon Ashton they were involved in in probably. Well, we talked about games of the day, but certainly the most entertaining game of the day. They moved back into the playoff spots and it was a topsy-turvy game against Chester, wasn't it? Yeah, it absolutely was. I mean, Chester um, inconsistency has been their thing. Um, Steve Watson took over and they went three games unbeaten, but they've since lost a couple of games on the bounce. So he, he hasn't necessarily cured that straight away. Um, although there is some, you know, changing of personnel going on at Chester as well. Um, a fine win for Curzon Ashton in the end. We spoke about the fact that since Adam Lakeland had gone there, that they were seem to be picking up draws, but not wins. But they've, they've got a couple recently now, and this was a really good one yesterday. It was certainly the game of the day for entertainment. Two goals from Alex Curran had them 2-0 up at half-time. Akira Simmons 
um, reduce the deficit before Tom Piers. He's on loan from Altrincham. And, and in our Altrincham conversation earlier, I did think to myself, with the goals he's scoring, might they recall him? Well, Kurz Nashton will be hoping very much that they don't. Um, he gave them a 3-1 lead yesterday. George Waring and Kevin Roberts both then netted to get the score back to 3-3. And Chester might be thinking, we've got ourselves a point here. But they do love a late goal in their game. And it was a late goal um, that they wouldn't have loved yesterday as Piers added his second in the 90th minute. And yeah, Kurz Nashton creeped back up into the last playoff spot with that game, but Steve Watson's team in 16th. Now, Dickie, I can't leave it any longer, but uh, what a win for Telford and coupled with the result against Farsley. It's uh, looking good down at the bottom, or certainly a lot tighter now. Yeah, it was a really positive result for Telford yesterday. Their best win of the season by some distance, both by margin and probably in the performance as well. Um, they, they've closed the gap at the bottom to just two points. They were five points adrift going into um, the fixtures yesterday. But an absolutely thumping win over Darlington, um, 5-0. Darlington without Luke Charman, of course. He joined Rochdale in the transfer window, which is a blow to them. Um, but I don't think they would have seen this one coming. Um, Brendan Daniels go tell for the lead from the penalty spot just before half-time. Um, and, and, you know, for the first time in a while, Telford fans thinking... We've got something to hold on to here. Well, they did much better than hold on to it. Kai Williams scored within about 20 seconds of the restart. Mace Goodridge, he's a, a recent arrival. He then scored potentially twice within the space of about five minutes. Well, I think there's pretty strong claims that his second was an own goal. Um, Darlington then had Joe Wheatley sent off. The substitute came off the bench, um, but got dismissed for a pretty crude foul on Goodridge. And Williams added the fifth goal with literally the last kick of the game, um, lifting the ball over Tommy Taylor to, yeah, it was an absolute sort of fantasy football day for Telford yesterday. Everything went right for them. A clean sheet, which manager Paul Carden, uh, you know, admitted that that once they'd got the the, the 3-4-0 advantage in the second half, that he was looking for them to hold onto that clean sheet. And they did so. And and yeah, you're starting to see the, the... the, the changes that he's making at the club taking effect now. Were you rubbing your eyes a little bit then by the sounds of it? <laughs> um, yeah, we were to, to, to a certain extent. I mean, um, I, yeah, I felt a little bit for Darlington. They were the better side in the first half, actually. They had more of the possession without um, really testing Russ Griffiths in the Telford goal too much. But, you know, say in, in a spell of about 10, 15 minutes either side of the half-time interval, they just completely fell apart. At Farsley, they lost 4-0 at home to Hereford and they'll be really looking over the shoulder now, as as will Geisley, with, with Telford on the charge now. Um, yes, potentially so. I mean, Farsley have, um, you know, they've lost some experienced players. It's it's not a, a steady ship at Farsley Celtic yesterday. Um, and yeah, the, the, a defeat, a second win on the bounce for Hereford though. Ryan McLean put them ahead. Tom Owen Evans extended the lead in the 74th minute. Um, admittedly, two of the goals did come in injury time from Torre and Storey. And Torre and Storey, they're a little bit too close to one another to say quickly. Um, uh, they added some gloss to the scoreline. Um, and Hereford up to ninth on that. But yeah, Farsley, um, you would imagine... They are looking over their shoulders now. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, they're on a bit of a slide. Yeah, Alfreton are uh, on a bit of a slide as well. Just two wins in their last 
five games and, and they've lost at home to improving Blyde Spartans. I've now won four out of five and uh, Terry Mitchell's having a real effect there, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, Terry Mitchell's doing a, a really, really good job uh, at Blyde Spartans. Uh, they're up to 17th with that win yesterday. It was their first away win of the season. Um, I think they'd probably previously to that, they'd collected just a single draw on the road with eight defeats but a, but a, a, a win away from home Dan Maguire's goal in the 79th minute and and that will boost spirits hugely you know we've spoke about Blythe needing to make Croft Park a really difficult place to go again um, and they've added an away win to that now which means the only team in the division without an away win are my own side Telford so there we go lay down a bit of a challenge to them see if you can um, uh, match that in, in, recent, in, in coming weeks chaps yeah, an exciting game as well at Bradford Park Avenue. The, the two red cards for the home side, but they still beat Kettering by two goals to one. And, and big news that came out of Kettering this week as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, Kettering went into this game um, under the caretaker manager charge of Luke Graham after Paul Cox um, quit his post as Kettering manager on Friday evening and within a couple of hours had been installed as the new manager of Boston United. Um, the, the, the former... Boston manager Craig Elliott was actually in the stands taking in this game. So, you know, people will inevitably look at the fact that there's a vacancy at Kettering and maybe read something into that. Although my instinct would be that that he was perhaps just taking in a game at that level, you know, ready for, um, you know, when an opportunity comes along. I'm, I'm not sure about Kettering for him in terms of him being Yorkshire based and then being Northampton. But, you know, it depends what, you know, even if there was an offer to him, I get the impression Kettering are in the market for making an appointment quickly. Um, yeah, they, they trailed yesterday to a Simon Richmond goal in the 45th minute, but then looked like they um, were going to be good for a point. Bradford Park Avenue had Gianluca Havan and Ryan Tolson sent off within the space of five minutes in the second half to carry Sheriff levelled in the 87th minute of the game and they must have thought they were going to get away with a point but Nicky Clee popped up with a winner in the 93rd minute and that's a really, really valuable three points for Bradford Park Avenue. Yeah, was the Sheriff run out of town in the end? <laughs> yes, he was ultimately. Yeah, I think he, he he only had the one shot left in his pistol there, unfortunately. Yeah, and the uh, the final game in the division was between Spennymore and Boston. And as, as you said, there's been goings on between both clubs. We've already mentioned about Paul Cotts going to Boston. And you mentioned as well about Jordan Thielis signing for Spennymore from Geisley. And ultimately, they cancelled each other out in the end. Yeah, they did. It was a 1-1 a draw at the Brewery Field. Um, Paul Green took charge of Boston for a final time as caretaker manager as, as their um, newly appointed manager, Paul Cox, watched on from the stands. Obviously, he'd only taken the job on Friday evening. So um, just for that stability, um, Green remained in charge. He saw his team go a goal down to Glenn Taylor's goal in the first minute of the game. But I mentioned James Hansen earlier, um, uh, having joined Boston. He levelled just before the half-time interval and 1-1 was what it stayed. Uh, Bernard Morley um, was still on, on duty for uh, Spennymore with Anthony Johnson still serving out his touchline ban um, and said, with the squad, we've had that results unacceptable. Um, Spennymore are looking to add to that squad. They added Jordan Thewlis um, on Friday evening and moved that, I think, um, annoyed Geisley fans 
both for the fact that they'd lost few lists, but also perhaps for the manner in which it was done. And I think that Spennymore um, announced it, or as good as announced it, a little bit ahead of an agreed deadline, um, which didn't go down too well with them. They've also found uh, Claudio Afusu, who has been at Kettering Town earlier in the season, the former Hartlepool player. So, uh, again, the changes that, that Spennymore are looking to implement under Johnson and Morley are, are starting to take shape there with their squad. Um, but yeah, a 1-1 one, one draw doesn't particularly help either side's playoff aspirations. Brilliant. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, Dickie. No, you're very welcome. Good to see you as always. And uh, yeah, there's plenty of games in midweek to be um, having a look at too. And I know, Rob, you've got to rush off. Say goodbye quickly, Rob. <laughs> goodbye quickly, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, lads. Have a good week. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. We're also on Instagram. Subscribe to us as well and give us a like on iTunes. Leave a review as well if you want as well. Many thanks for listening in. We'll be back next weekend. Until then, have a great week. Bye.